this week, I'm going to read from Mark. So it's going to sound familiar to last week. But what I want you to catch is in the book of Mark, um, he talks to us specifically about the reward. He talks to us about what's in it for us when we choose to follow after Jesus. Uh, The goal of discipleship, by the way, is to have an environment where development takes place. That's the goal. In other words, we're to mature. How many of you loved watching your children mature, you know, grow? They're cute as babies, but, but you can... When they get older, you want them to become babies. And when they're babies, you want them to become older, right? It's funny how life turns out that way. But you watch them, and they're crying, and they can't feed themselves, and they're messing their diaper, and you're like, it's okay, because it's only for a season. Because you expect them to grow. You expect them to become potty trained. You expect them to feed themselves, to walk, to talk. You expect them to do that. So it is supposed to be in our journey with Christ. That though we may feel if we're in the infant stage that we grow and that we developed and that we mature. That's the whole process of discipleship. So Christianity, our walk, our salvation is about the faith that we have that we place in Jesus Christ. He forgives us of our sins. He gives us eternal life to which we can all say, thank you, Jesus, for that one. Though we don't have it all figured out. But discipleship is more than that. It's not separate. It's part of it. It's about this developmental process. It's more than just being forgiven. It's a process of moving from spiritual infancy to spiritual adulthood, as we talked about three or four weeks ago. We talked about the fact that there's a cost involved. um, Because you cannot grow. You cannot grow without paying a price. The clothes that I wore when I was eight months old will not fit me today because of my growth. Therefore, new clothes had to be purchased. There's a cost. My appetite when I was two years old is different now that I'm 39 years old. Did you buy that? Thought I'd try to... 49? Anyway, the the appetite's different, and there's a cost that's involved. When you grow in your journey with Christ, there's going to be a cost that's involved. And like last week, we spent most of the time talking about, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to, to do that? And if you are, then there's a reward that comes from following after Jesus. You cannot grow without paying a price. When you're at your job, typically what they will do, I don't know if they still do this in every job, but they will do a performance review. Do you guys still get those? Do you still do them? So when you're on the job, maybe it's six months, maybe it's every year, uh, maybe you don't get one, I don't know, but typically a, a place will do a performance review. And they'll sit down with you Uh, about every six months to a year. And the goal of the performance review is to discuss how the employer thinks that things are going for you. And it's supposed to be an opportunity for you to say as well how well you think it's going for you as an employee. And here's the thing. If you ever want a chance at climbing the ladder, if you ever want to grow in that company, if you want to become a supervisor or a captain or a CEO or whatever the title is, There's going to be a cost involved. And these performance reviews, what they do is is they have a time to discuss how did you do last year and how are you doing now? Because that's going to determine a lot of things. It's going to determine whether you get the pay raise or whether you get laid off. It's going to determine whether you get promoted or whether you get fired potentially. You know, it's it's a time where they, they talk to you about the benefits based upon the work that you have done. 
And if you've not done much work, guess what? There's not much benefits that they give you, typically. Is that right? It's pretty much how it works. Unfortunately, my opinion, we're, we're slowly slipping into a society that, that, that we're trying to embrace the benefits without having to do any of the work. We, don't, we, we just want to give me, give me, give me kind of a thing. But in, when it comes to discipleship, he says, if you're willing to pay the price, there is a great reward that waits for you and me. You see, God's not, un, he's not unlike the employer, employer that gives a performance review. Discipleship is where you pay a price. And it's where, where Christ offers a reward because of that. He doesn't cancel the price, but he rewards it when you and I are willing to follow after him. Here's what he's looking for. He's looking for people that can, can, can say without a doubt that I trust Jesus. And whenever he tells me to go, I'm going to obey. He's looking for our, our obedience in this. He's looking for a visible, verbal follower, not a bad investment. And he wants you to know that if you're willing to pay the price, he says, if you, can, if you truly are my disciples, he said, there's a reward that comes to you for following after me. Because a reward comes because of the price that's paid. And, and that means you have to be willing to give something up. That means you may have to be willing to let some, something go. So let me, let me read to you from Mark chapter 10. And here's how, how it was said, starting in verse 28. It says, Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all, and we have followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is, no one, uh, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this lifetime, houses and brothers, sisters, mothers, children, land, with persecutions. Don't you love that he threw that in there right there? With persecutions, and in the age to come, hold on to that one right there, and in the age to come, he throws in, eternal life. And then he ends it by saying, but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Now, he's speaking to the disciples because he, I want to give you a little context, so I'm going to back up just a little bit. The disciples have been hanging around with Jesus, and they're on their, kind of their, their world tour, and they're moving around. And if you were to back up just a little bit to verse 17, uh, this is where Jesus counsels the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler says, hey, I, I, I want the benefits I want, to, I want to be the benefit of being your disciple. How much will it cost me? You know, you know, I'd be willing to pay a little bit if I can get the maximum amount of benefits. But Jesus said to him um, that that's not the way it works. And the rich young ruler said, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And here's, here's Jesus' answer. It sums up, be a disciple, is what he said, follow me. But he wrote it this way, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. And he goes on and tells him, uh, you know, don't murder, don't kill, kill, don't steal, you know, honor your father and your mother. And the, remember the rich young ruler goes, hey, all of these things I have kept from my youth, basically saying, I did it all. I, I've mastered it. And, and it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love that because this guy's either very arrogant and very full of himself, or he's just so misguided. He doesn't understand that you know, who he is and who he's talking to. And it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. But at this word, the rich young ruler went away sorrowful. It says that 
He had great possessions, and he was unwilling to give them up. It cut him out from completely following Jesus and being a disciple, and it completely cut him out from the reward of being a disciple. So let me take you back to verse 28 that I read earlier. I'll read it once again. Peter began by saying, we have left everything and followed you. He just heard this story. He just saw this take place with the rich young ruler. And he said, sell everything and follow me. And the guy went, no, I don't think so. And Jesus loved him, but was saddened in his heart. Well, you know, Peter's over here and has given up everything. And he said, hey, what about me? Right? Isn't that what we want to know sometimes? Just what about me? What do you have to say about me? He said, listen, we gave up everything. We left it all and we followed you. So Jesus, what's in it for us? What's the reward? You and I today, what's the reward? What's in it for us? I mean, we know God's good all the time and all the time God is good. Amen? Amen. But what's in it for us? Following after Christ, it's not like there's a second option that, that, that leads us to eternal life. But I, just what is the reward if, if I completely and fully obey God, whatever he tells me to do and wherever he tells me to go? He wants visible, verbal followers of Jesus Christ. And that is going to cost you sometimes. I, I, I can speak for myself. It cost me when I thought I knew everything and I had it all figured out and I wanted all of the benefits, but nothing was working out until I humbled my heart, declared him as my savior, started doing things his way. And then all of a sudden things became clear. As a matter of fact, not only did they become clear, but the glory and the blessings and the benefits far outweighed. Now I'm looking back to my young self and I'm going, it far outweighed anything I really thought I wanted over here. And the only way you get there is by following after Christ. But it will cost you at times. Jesus talks about loving your neighbor. Jesus says that you're to give what you have. But this rich young ruler hung his head low and said, I can't do it. What's the point of that story? Jesus was pointing this out simply. You're not always as good as you think you are. Back here, I thought I knew it all. Back here, I thought I had it figured out. Back here, but now years have gone by and I realize I really didn't know as much as I thought I knew. But Jesus sure does. Amen? He knows exactly what's going on. See, that's why he says, follow me. Disciples are, the, the, the group of disciples that Jesus was with was uh, listening to the story of the rich young ruler and Peter speaks up. I remember Peter, many times we say he had, uh, Peter had kind of a hoof and mouth disease, right? Because he was always putting his foot in his mouth. He's always just speaking what's on his mind. Bang, he'd just fire off and say what he thought. And he said in verse 28, Peter began to say, see, we have left all and followed you. It basically, let's put it in vernacular for today. Hey, what's in it for me? I gave up everything. This guy, you told him, leave it. He said no, and, and, and you loved him, but it saddened your heart. So we gave it all up. What about us? What's in it for us? This is a discipleship statement or question that's being asked. He's saying, what's the payoff for following after you? Not just being saved, but being a disciple. Literally, they were following him, going wherever it is that he led. He said, we were living, it's not in the Bible, but I'm kind of summarizing. Peter said, we were living large, Jesus. 
We, we, we had our own businesses, things were just rocking and rolling, and then all of a sudden, you showed up. We had things going good, and we closed our shop. We followed you. We gave up the fishing industry. What's the payoff? Because it can cost a lot to follow after Jesus, depending on where you're at. For each person, it's different. But ultimately, you know, some people might say, well, I don't know about that, you know, because what, what will my friends say? What will my coworkers say? What will my husband or my wife or my kids or my fill in the blank? But there comes that time when you're going to stand before Jesus and your wife and your kids and your coworkers aren't going to be there with you. And the important question will be, what does God have to say at that point as you stand before him? There's always going to be a cost. And, and, and Peter's asking, what's the benefit? What's the, what's the payoff? I want to know, Jesus, is it worth it to follow after you? And that's a good question. He's not necessarily being arrogant or cocky or a, a jerk. He's, he's saying, Jesus, I, I just want to know, is the payoff worth the price or the sacrifice. And Jesus says, absolutely. He says, there is a great reward that you cannot even fathom right now when you become my disciples. And Peter said, okay, we've left everything. And people today want to, they, what we want today is we want the reward without having to pay the cost. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, how many of you here today would love to have full coverage insurance on your home and on every one of your vehicles and never have to pay a premium in your life? Would you sign up for that? I would, if it was legit. Now, here's my next question. How many of you have that kind of insurance? Crickets, right? Nobody. Why? Because there's always a cost that's involved. But when you pay the cost and you end up getting in an accident or you end up in the hospital or you end up damaging your home because a water pipe burst, how thankful are you when that insurance covers all of it, right? Like, whoo, man, I'm so glad I paid them premiums. When it comes to discipleship, you still have some things that, that, that don't always work out the way you think it should. But he says there's always a benefit that comes in being my disciple. But what God wants to know is, are we willing to do the work? If you're a parent here today and you sent your kid to college, let's say, and you footed the bill, you paid for their education, they went off to college, they came home for the holidays. Some of y'all, I saw you, Jeremy, it was good to see you up here leading worship. And if your parents came to you and said, how is school going? And you went, eh, it's going okay. And you said, well, tell me more. What classes are you taking? And they go, I'm taking, I think I'm taking biology. You think you're taking? How do you, I write the check. You better know what you're taking. I better know what you're taking. Well, uh, how, how many days of school are you going to throughout the week? Uh, you know, day and a half, maybe two days. Excuse me? I'm writing the check and you're only going a couple days. How are your grades? Oh, well, we don't want to talk about that. It's the holidays. Let's all just, you know, God is good all the time. All the, no, that's not going to work. I want to know because I paid the price. Are you, are you taking advantage of the benefits that I'm giving to you? So if the child is failing, not attending school, but is getting an A-plus in socializing, how do you feel about the check that you're writing? Yeah. And Jesus wants to know, he wants us to know, he's written the check, and he wants to know, are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to, 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 to be my disciple? Because there's rewards that are out of this world. Do you know people in your life that just want stuff, but they don't want to do anything to get it? You know what I mean? 
If they're sitting next to you, please don't look at them right now. Or I'm going to have to do a whole other message on forgiveness tomorrow or next week. <laughs> they want stuff, but they don't want to do the work. They don't want to engage. They don't want to pay the price. They just want to reap the benefits. They just want the blessings, but they don't want the responsibility. You see, following after, after Christ is going to require us to take some responsibility. How many of you would love to get a, a paycheck every week and not have to work? I'm not going to get into that too much more right now because when I look at our world today, I struggle with some things. But in discipleship, he says, listen, I've got blessings for you, but it comes to those who are willing to follow me and be my disciples. Peter said, we left everything, we paid, what's the payoff? Here's number one, you can write it down. No one misses out when you're willing to pay the cost. No one misses out on the blessings, on the benefits, on the reward. Nobody misses out on that when you're willing to pay the cost. It says in verse 29 that Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you that there is no one, underline no one, circle it, highlight it, point red arrows to it, no one. He said, there is no one who has left house, brother, sister, father, mother, wife, children, land. And then he said, for my sake and the gospels. Underline that one too. There is no one, nobody gets missed by God. There is nobody who has been willing to give up stuff for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the gospel, that does not receive a reward. Everybody gets a reward. Everybody gets the benefit. Maybe you had to give up a house. God's called you to leave. Maybe you had to give up a, a job, something he's called you to do. There's a price tag, let's say, associated to your relationship with Jesus Christ. There, there may be times when God will move you out of one season to another, and it doesn't make sense to you. But the question is, will you still follow him? Now, we're not questioning whether it's God. We know it's God. We're not questioning whether he spoke. We know he spoke. The question is, are we going to listen? Are we going to follow him? Are we going to do what it is he's called us to do? You see, because sometimes you have to leave. Now, it, if you don't value something and you don't love it, it's not hard to leave it, is it? I'll ask it again. If it's something you don't really love or value, it's not hard to leave it. Let's say you have a house that's infected by roaches. It's falling apart. The city wants to condemn it. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's a mess. It's a disaster. And Jesus says, I want you to move out of there and get a new home. You're like, thank you, Jesus. I know the next prayer is how am I going to pay for it, but we'll get there later. You don't have a problem leaving that house behind because there's not much value associated. But if you were to come to me and say, if Jesus were to come to me and say, I want you to give up your house and I love my house. I mean, Jesus, you don't understand. Look at this doorway. I've got notches going all the way up showing my kids height as they grew. And I've got two sets of them. And hey, I see that dent in the wall. That's where Drea ran Seth's head into the wall. And we laughed about it for days. You remember that? That was hilarious. I mean, he was okay. But, you know, we, I love my house, Jesus. And he says, I want you to give it up and I want you to go wherever that is. The question on the floor, if you know it's God and you know God has spoken to you, I'm not talking about some weird, random, you wake up in the middle of the night and God says, I want you to go to Virginia, okay? I'm talking about you've been praying about it, it's been on your heart, you've been communicating with your spouse, or if you're single, you've been communicating with God, and you've been counting the cost, and finally, God speaks to you and says, it's time. It's time. He wants to know, when he says it's time, are you ready to say, on it? Are you, are you ready to go? 
even if it's going to cost you. I, I love this house. I love this home. I love this community. I love that paycheck. I love that title. He'll ask you to leave it and surrender it. Why would he do that? Because he knows something greater than you do. And that's the rewards of following him far outweigh your title or your house or your money or your car. And far outweighs it. But the question on the floor is, is are you going to simply obey him when he puts that on the table? Everybody wants to be blessed. Um having left nothing. We, we don't have a problem getting. It's a problem giving or surrendering. Or sometimes it's just simply obeying. Uh, we don't mind the stuff. But I'm not talking about prosperity versus prospering. I'm not talking about a prosperity type of faith and get all the stuff you can, can all the stuff you, you get, and then sit on the can and keep it. A spiritual hoarder, if you will. I'm talking about saying there's nothing wrong with receiving. There's nothing wrong. God wants to bless you. But he just doesn't want that which he blesses you with to be the thing that determines whether you're going to listen to him or not. He wants to be able to know that he has full say in what it is that he's doing in and through your life. And that's one of the struggles. But he says, listen, if you're my disciple and if you're following after me, he said, nobody is going to miss out on this at all. Peter said, we left everything. Jesus said, no one, no one. We'll miss out on this blessing. And then he shows us that. What's another reward? Number two, write down. The more that you leave, the more you receive. What do you mean by that? Well, the more that you leave, let go of. The more that you're willing to surrender. Instead of leave, think of the word surrender. The, you, open hands. So that God can bless you, but he can also, if he wants something back or wants to move you around, he's willing to do it and that you're not gripping on so tightly. When you're ready to, to leave something, you're going to have the ability to receive more that God wants to give you. In the first part of verse 30, it says, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this lifetime. Now in this lifetime means right now, in this lifetime, while we're living here on earth. He says, you, you will receive a hundredfold. When, when you leave something for me, Jesus says, the thing that you left, you're going to get such a greater blessing that it's going to be a hundred times better. Now, the thing that you gave up, he says, you never really will have lost, even though you may feel like you lost it. But that's not the end of the story, is what Jesus says. What you think you lost by following me you actually didn't lose. You actually gained. You get things multiplied. Now, I, I don't want you to misunderstand me here, okay? I'm not talking about, I did not say, make sure you hear this. I did not say that if you, you give God something, he will give you the exact same thing back a hundredfold, okay? Because if that were true, we'd be giving him a hundred bucks every week, expecting a hundred times ten next, right? And, and, and he's not the lottery system. That's not what he's He's saying here, he says that when you follow after me and you're willing to leave when I say leave, it makes more room for me to bless you with things that, that you never thought you would have in your lifetime. But he throws in this word and says, you will receive it a hundredfold with persecution. Thank you, Jesus, for that word, right? With persecution. Why would he throw that in there? You know, pastor, this message was going fine until you threw that in there and started talking about persecution. Why would he do that? Well, you see, when you leave something for the sake of Christ 
and you see the reward of that, you're going to become more committed to Christ. That is going to catch the attention of the enemy. And he is going to come after you because he doesn't want you to know that when you fully follow Jesus Christ, discipleship, that there are great blessings that come your way. The enemy knows that when you receive those blessings and you catch a hold of that, you are going to be stronger than you have ever been in your faith. And so the enemy is going to do the old John 10.10, right? He's going to come and try to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's all he cares about. But Jesus says that when you're willing to surrender to Christ, he says there's more that you will receive in the long run. But are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to follow after Christ and allow him to have the final say in your life? But pastor, you said it has persecution. Yeah, there's going to be difficult times. There's going to be some challenges we'll, we'll face. But what's the alternative? You know, we just embrace the world and what it has to say. He says, the more you leave, the more you'll receive. The more you receive, the more rejection you may experience. The more rejection you experience, the more God will do in and through your life. If you're a disciple, you're following after him, here's the problem. We want to know that when we obey God and he says there's a reward, how long is the gap in the middle? before we receive our reward? Here's my best answer. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone's going to be different. Now, I know you guys are really encouraged right now, right? And what I mean by that is simply this. Every person's going to be different. What he's doing in your life, it, it depends on so many factors, but it boils down to what has God said to you lately? When he says go, do you go? Do you resist? Or do you just simply say, Father, lead me? How long is this gap between cost and reward? You know, if I, if I told you that if you completely followed after Christ and in three months on the date, all your rewards would come to you, we'd have no problem with that because we can, we can, um, we, we can understand that. We can embrace that. We can hold on. But, but sometimes it's longer than three months. Some of you here have been praying for things for three years and you're still waiting on Jesus to show up. Does Jesus not understand the timetable? No, we don't. We work according to the time of God. We don't understand the whole big picture. But while we're not understanding, he wants to know, are you still going to follow me? Are you still going to come after me? There's so much uncertainty in this world. And, and we ask ourselves, when's God's going to show up? And it can vary from person to person. But he said in his word, no one, no one misses out on the blessing of God. And when you're able to leave or surrender, you'll receive more than you ever thought you could. And he said, even in this lifetime, I can tell you that he said, no one, and you're not an exception. There is a payday for this thing that you gave up or for this thing that you surrendered, as long as it was for his sake or the sake of the gospel. And that's sometimes where it comes down to. Was it for the sake of him and the gospel or was it for mine? You know, and we, we got to filter through that each time. And we got to be willing to make the hard decisions, even if it cost us. When I was a kid, 12, maybe 13 my dad hired me and another kid to paint the garage. I don't know what he was thinking, but anyway, 13-year-olds painting garages, he says, I'll pay you. And we had to keep track of it and write our hours down. We worked on this day from this hour to this hour and keep track of it. And um, my, the other guy that was doing it with me um, decided he wanted to write down hours on there that he worked that he did not so that he could get paid for work he did not do. I was in a pickle because I also wanted to not work and get paid. That sounded sweet. But I also knew who was paying the price. And it was my dad. 
And I struggled with that. And he's like, just don't tell anybody. Just keep it to yourself. Just, you know, keep your mouth shut and, and you'll get more money. And I thought, sounds good to me. But it didn't feel good. It didn't feel right. And I remember that night, you know, they always say snitches get stitches, right? Uh, I snitched on this other guy. And I went and told my dad. I said, dad, I said, he's writing down hours that we didn't work. And I was just disturbed over this. Guess what? I paid a price for that. That individual that I was working with wasn't happy with me. I did the right thing, but it didn't feel good. It, it felt, you know what I mean. It felt right to do the right thing, but in the moment, it really didn't feel like it. I felt like I, I, I didn't know how to, how, how to feel in that moment. There's going to be times when you know what the right thing is to do, and you know that to do it means that some people are not going to agree with you. It, it goes, boils right back to this. What did God say? And whatever he says, that's the thing that we are to do. You see, what I did by snitching was I messed with the system that this person came up with. And because of it, I was persecuted, if I can say it that way, even though I was in the right. I had to be willing to address that. Jesus says there's going to, be come, there's going to come times in life where it might be inconvenient. But when you make the right decision and follow me, no one will miss out on the reward. Nobody. Let me put it to you another way. What appears like a loss to you, if you obey Jesus, though you may not see it right away, you will gain a reward in the end. You will gain a reward in the end. You're public, publicly associated with Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now, there will be some rejection that takes place, but Jesus said, it will be rewarded. And he said, and this is how it's going to be rewarded. Number three, write this down. We are a two-age Christian. Now, you're probably thinking, what does that mean? Let me explain it to you. When we talk about the benefits that God gives to us, the rewards for following after him and being a disciple, understand that you and I are a two-age Christian. What does that mean? Well, the second half of verse 30 says, when you leave houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecution, and it says, and in the age to come, you're gonna, remember it said you're going to have blessings in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. He puts a wrinkle into all of this for us. He says this, your reward is going to be tied to two different agents. Verse 30 tells us it's going to be in the present age and in the age to come. Wait a minute, hold on, pastor, back up. I want to make sure I understand this right. You're telling me that if I follow Jesus, I will be rewarded for it and that my reward will be some in this age and some in the age to come? Yes. Spot on. I don't understand that. I don't completely understand it either. There will be a day that I will, but I'm not probably going to come back and tell you about it because I'm going to be having too much fun in eternity, right? But I know his word is true and I know that he said that he will reward those that follow him and he said, and I will do it in this age and in the age to come. In other words, he's going to bring blessings, rewards into your life while you are here now on earth living. But there's also going to be a reward that takes place in the age to come. Your reward is divided between two, uh, two ages. Some of it is in the present, some of it is in the age to come. You don't get all of it in either one, one or the other. He says you, you get it in both. You know, It's kind of like, do you remember as a kid when you get an allowance, or at least this is what I did, if I got an allowance and I got two bucks or five bucks or whatever it is I got, I don't even really remember, but 
it would burn a hole in my pocket. You know what I'm talking about? I've got money, I'm rich, you know? And I'd have to run to Ben Franklin or, or, or some kind of store like that. I'm dating myself by Ben Franklin there. But you could buy stuff for nickels and dimes and I would spend all my money and then all of a sudden the money was gone. <gasps> my reward, it was all spent. And I had to wait for the next week before I could be rewarded once again. You see, kids want to spend it all now. Well, let's just be real. Parents want to spend it all now. We want to, and there's nothing wrong with spending. There's nothing wrong with wanting things. But he says, the reward I bring into your life is going to not all be given to you just in this lifetime, but also in the life to come, in the, or in the age to come. It is no longer, uh, the age to come, by the way, is a lot longer than the age we're in now. You understand that, right? We will not live forever. There will be a day, and it's an eternity. This life that you now live, uh, on the count of three, blink with me. One, two, three. Blink. There was your life. That was this age. Compared to an eternity that we'll be spending with Jesus. And he said, those that are my disciples will be with me in eternity, and I will reward you while you're here in this age, but also over here in the age to come. So maybe you're not getting all of the blessings you think you should. When you follow him, he says, you will, because no one misses out. When you're willing to surrender and leave that, you're, you have the ability to receive more because you and I are a two-age Christian. This age that we live in is very minimal. Um, the age to come, it will blow your mind. We, we can't even understand it. And what do we do? We make more about this age than we do about this one. And here's the reason we do that. Because we live in this one, right? Because this is us. This is, this is where we live. And we got Jesus saying, I want you to be my disciples so you understand there's blessings to come. And the question is, is will we follow after him? Will we obey him? And he says there's blessings in this age as well as the one that's coming up. Because when you and I get to heaven... Folks, there's going to be houses, there's going to be land. I don't know exactly what it's all going to look like, but I know it's not going to be boring. We are not going to be bored in heaven. When I was a kid, I thought, I love you, Jesus, but I'm really struggling because really praise and worship for eternity? I have a hard time getting through one service. You know, when I was a kid, I'd be like, oh, ready to go. And you're telling me heaven's going to be like this? You're telling me heaven's going to be just kind of floating around on a cloud playing a harp? No, that's not it either. He says, I've got so many blessings that will blow your mind, but you don't get to see all of them until the next age, until the time that we go to be with Jesus. Here's what Jesus was saying. When it comes to the reward of discipleship, don't put all your marbles in this age. Don't put all your eggs in this basket. Well, if God's not going to bless me, I guess he must not love me. No, he loves you immensely, but some of the blessings just might be for a later time. So you have to steward, I have to steward well the time that we have. You know, there was a time when, um, oh, 1980s, riverboat days. You remember riverboat days? Um, and I'm talking about riverboat days back in the 80s when it was big. You know, they, they had so many tents and crafts that would go on and they had a lot of games and they had a lot of events and they had food vendors and cotton candy. And you know, all the games where you throw a baseball, try to knock the milk jugs down and all that. And so I would love to go there. Around the age of 13, 14, 15, me and my friend, we'd head down there. And I would get X amount of dollars from my parents. And they would, 
then I would go down there, and if I wanted to ride the rides or if I wanted to play the games, I had to go to the ticket booth. Do you remember that? You know, everything's electronic now, I know, but back, back in the day, uh, you had to go to the ticket booth. And I would use my money to buy, let's say, 30 tickets. And here's what I would always hear when I uh, got the money from my parents. Make it last. Translation, you're not getting any more. <laughs> yes, Father, give me, you know. And then I would run and I would buy 30 tickets and what would happen? I would go and somehow those 30 tickets went in 30 minutes. And I still had to hang down there for another four hours. And if you spend all of your tickets in 30 minutes and it's going to be four hours before you get picked up, guess what you get to do? Stand in the parking lot watching all your friends have fun. That's what you get to do. You and I must remember that we are two-age Christians. Some blessings we get now, some we get later, but the challenge is, is are you stewarding well the blessings that God is currently giving to you? Whenever God chooses to bless you, whenever he chooses to give to you, he will do it in his timing. He just wants to simply know this. Do you trust him? It, it, that's it. Do you trust him? Not... Do I say that I trust them? Do you really trust them in your current situation with what is weighing heavy on your heart right now that you maybe haven't talked to anybody else about? Do you trust them in, in, in that place? Because when you choose to trust him, God has a way of showing us the rewards of being a disciple. And he will even, and it's my last point, he will even, God has a way of flipping the script. God has a way of flipping the script. How, how do you know that? Because in his word, he says in verse 31, but many who are first will be last and the last will be what? First. He says, I'll flip the script around for my disciples. He says, I, I, I will take care of that. God is going to flip the script. He's not saying don't want blessings in this age while we're living. He's not saying that at all. Just realize that you're a two-age Christian. There's more to come. There's a guy by the name, well, nobody really, let me ask it this way. Has anyone ever heard of Tokyo Telecommunications Engineering Firm? Anybody? Anybody? Nope, not one soul. Nobody knows. What, what in the world is that? Well, there's a guy that developed Tokyo Telecommunications Engineering Firm in 1955, and he made the first portable transistor radio. An American company wanted to buy him out, and they offered him a lot of money to buy his company, but he refused. Uh, a year or two later, he built the very first VCR, and then he built the very first CD player, and then he changed his name, and he changed it to Sony. How many's heard of Sony? See, you may not have known his name, you may not have known his history, but you know Sony. We all know Sony. That guy had to go through a lot. He had to learn to say no when he probably wanted to say yes. Here's what he had to do. He, he had to be willing to lay down what he wanted now to get maybe the glory God had for him later. And he was willing to do that. You know, we're going to go home today. For some of us, some, we're going to watch football. And I always love, one of the things I love about football is the odds you know what I mean? It's, it's people who are doing well. You know, I'm always for the underdog. That's why I'm a Cubs fan, right? Um, 
leave the Cowboys out of this. <laughs> I am, I'm an underdog fan. And uh, what I love is these people are down and out. They're going back to the halftime. Opponents team's 28. We've got 14. They're walking back, just kind of hanging their head. What are we going to do? But it's at halftime. And the purpose for and the reason for halftime is to reassess and reevaluate our strategy against this opponent that's coming at us. And I love it. I absolutely love it when a losing team, minus the Patriots and Eagles, <laughs> are down and out. And somehow they rally and they come back and they're able to overcome and gain the victory. You see, the purpose for halftime is to go and take a look once again at how did we end up where we ended up at and what do we need to do? What changes must occur in order for us to overcome that which is resisting us? And then they go back out and they play and they play well. And do they always win? No, they don't always win. But I'll tell you what, they will never win if they don't reassess, they don't get engaged, if they don't finish playing the game. What's my point? When Jesus says, when the first become last, it's because they live for this present age, they will discover it wasn't all worth it, right? People that don't make time for prayer, people that don't make time for reading the word of God, discipleship, uh, they'll find out soon enough that all the world has to offer at best is cotton candy Christianity. But when it comes to the word of God in its purest and rawest form, it's about coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, salvation, and using that to walk out through discipleship so that you, maybe you're here today, and this is your halftime. Maybe you're in a place in your life, and it doesn't matter how old you are, you've been walking with the Lord for five years or five decades. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I've been a disciple, I'm not seeing the blessing. Does that mean God doesn't love me? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Remember, you're a two-aged Christian. Some you will receive now. Some you won't receive until to the time we get to eternity, but you will receive it. You will not be left out. How do you know that? Because if you're a disciple, a verbal, visible follower of Jesus Christ, he says, nobody gets left out of that. So maybe if you're disappointed today, discouraged, disheartened, any other dis word I forgot. And this is your halftime. Reevaluate, reassess. What changes do you need to make? But make sure that you're not just talking to the guys that are on the bench. You're talking to your coach. Because he's the one that sees the big picture, right? And that's who Jesus is for us. That's what discipleship's all about. A, a, an ability to follow after the one who sees the big picture. I want to ask if you would just close your eyes with me as I pray for you and we close out today. Maybe you're here today and you feel discouraged. Um, I wish I had a magical wand to wave over you that made it all better. But all I know is this. We have a Savior and He is alive and well. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. He's our restorer. And He says that when you call upon the name of the Lord, that He is there for you before you even finish. Lord, you know each and every person here today and what they're going through and what they're facing. You know what they see to be their reality, but when you look at it, you see it's not their complete reality because you see the bigger picture. For some of us, maybe we feel we're at that point of halftime. We feel like the game's already over, but we don't want to know what you have to say. So Father, I pray that as we leave this place, we leave with encouragement in our hearts 
and that we will be able to completely seek you and say, God, what do you have to say? And then have the tenacity to follow after that. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for this and ask it all in your name. Amen.